Time now on this Monday morning for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. All right, let's talk about this NDP leadership race because we've talked a lot about Angela Apadurai and the NDP leadership race, but where is that other candidate? Well, that other candidate, David Eby, uh, finally put out a statement last week to supporters, uh, sent it out by email on Friday, and the theme is why I'm running. Uh, well, it's nice of them to let them know. I have to say that even some new Democrats must have been asking, um, you entered the race two months ago and you're now putting out a why I'm running statement? Is this got anything to do with uh, you having taken the win for granted and let Angela Apadurai take control? I, it, it's a fascinating insight into a leadership race that has unfolded in unexpected ways. That is so true. The first few weeks, all we talked about was that there was no leadership race, and now it's gotten more and more interesting. So where has David Eby been? Well, he says he's been on a listening tour of the province, uh, talking to NDP supporters, uh, finding out what's on their minds, and he's now ready to start laying out a platform. So we are, uh, he says, to get the first of the big David Eby policy statements this week, and it will be about housing. Uh, You may recall that he made a declaration a while ago about involuntary detention of uh, people with uh, chronic offenders, mental issues, uh, violent attacks in the downtown. That was his solution. And, of course, there's a huge backlash against him for that, but that wasn't the official David Eby platform. We're supposed to get that starting this week, and the big item on the list will be housing. Makes sense. He was housing minister until the time he stepped down to run for the leadership on July 19th, two months ago. Right. Okay. So where has it, what's he been doing then? Like, where are the policies? Where's all the other stuff? So David Eby is going to lay out a housing plan this week. That makes sense. He was the housing minister until he stepped down on July 19th, two months ago, to run for the leadership. So, And based on what he was saying when he was housing minister, I think we can expect a few things. His big emphasis was on the need to increase the housing supply to deal with the 100,000 people that are moving to British Columbia. And the other thing he said, very controversial, was that he thinks the provincial government needs to give itself the power, if necessary, to overrule local government where local government is stalling or blocking the kind of housing we need, the housing for the missing middle, right. housing, uh, social housing, and that sort of thing. You know, what's interesting about that is I was talking to Kevin Falcon a couple of weeks ago here on the show, and his idea was not all that dissimilar to what David Eby's talking about. No, it, it, politicians, the difference here, politicians in BC have been talking about this for a long time. Uh, under the BC Liberals, uh, Liberal ministers used to complain about 150,000 units of housing stalled in the pipeline. What's different is is that Eby really is the first provincial politician who was a minister of housing who said, I am going to have legislation drafted that would allow the provincial government to override local government where local government is blocking needed housing. Uh, The New Democrats have been careful not to talk that idea up too much recently, Simi, because civic election is coming up. And I think it's fair to say that they do not want to uh, help a bunch of NIMBY-minded politicians get elected. So local government is on notice. 
We think the legislation has been drafted. We think it might be tabled in the legislature after the civic election is over. But in any event, I think we're certainly going to hear David Eby's ideas on this subject. And the emphasis, unless he's changed his mind dramatically, is going to be on increasing the housing supply. Most of the things the New Democrats have done so far have been either social housing or demand-side measures, increases in taxes, toughening regulations, and so forth. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the child care uh, funding, yeah. too. That, that was a big one. Yeah, it was a big announcement on Friday. Um, interesting how it got handled, Simi. Um, provincial politicians there up front, uh, federal minister there as well. When it, it, Obviously, the headline is huge relief for people that are in, uh, that already have child care, uh, that are in licensed facilities. Uh, one of my colleagues who has two children uh, said this announcement will save her and her, uh, her spouse $1,000 a month. Holy so that's, moly, that's a lot. That, that's significant, yeah. right? Uh, the fine print, a couple of things that jumped out at me. One, it it's great for people who already have uh, children in a licensed facility. It's not means-tested, so anybody who's in can get the money. Um, it doesn't really do anything to encourage uh, the development of more spaces. And the big problem out there, I hear it even from advocates, is lack of spaces, yes. long waiting lists, and lack of trained staff to run licensed facilities. The other thing you hear, Simi, is that the unlicensed facilities, some of the private sector facilities, have been around for years. Uh, they aren't getting the same assistance. The government prefers licensed, government-regulated facilities. Okay, and the government has capped fees at an increase of 3% a year. That's an important bit of relief for people who have spaces and have their children in them. But a 3% cap, when the inflation is running at double that, is not much of an incentive to go out and develop and build more childcare spaces. Right. Okay. And so we know as well that the funding for a lot of this childcare is not necessarily provincial money either, is it? Yeah, I mean, look, I went back over the coverage just to make sure uh, the two provincial cabinet ministers that were in on this uh, did most of the talking and got most of the coverage. You have to thumb your way to almost the back of their PowerPoint presentation to realize that most of the money is coming from Ottawa. Uh, the additional funding for all of this relief, uh, the $550 a month tops, that is um, 75% of that is coming from the federal government, 25% of it is coming from the provincial government. Those are the government's numbers, not mine. And I would say if you were ever wondering why the federal government is reluctant to write blank checks to provinces for things like health care, uh, when you look at how the provincial politicians wrap themselves up and say, hey, you know, we promised uh, better child care, $10 a day child care, and you know, we get some money from Ottawa on this, but hey, give us credit for it. And they take the credit and they got most of it. <laughs> that was a very good illustration of the problem with the federal-provincial relations right now, Vaughn. Thank yeah. you so much for that. Bye-bye. That's our Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun uh, talking about the NDP leadership campaign. If you want to weigh in, simi at cknw.com.